Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to The Next Generation. I'm Victoria Cecce. Join me as we chat with young Italian wine people shaking up the wine scene. We're going to geek out on a grape or grape fam, then hear about all the wild wine things our guests have been up to, from vineyard experiments to their favorite wine bars. Good afternoon. Good morning. Wherever you are in this world, welcome to another episode of The Next Generation with me. As usual, it's really funny because when I say with me, Victoria Cece, Cece, my name pronounced in American English, it rhymes. Victoria Jasha, less rhyme. But I digress. Today we have some fun things to talk about and an awesome person to talk to, Barbara Fitzgerald, who will be on shortly. So before she comes on and talks all great things about wine and her background, which is super fascinating, by the way, we are going to take a little trip to Puglia. Granted, it is um, currently almost summer, and yeah, I just want to see a beach and drink some nice, nice crisp white wine. Which grape are we going to be talking about from the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book today? Can you guess? I'll tell you, because it gave you so many darn context clues. Verdeca. Verdeca, white grape varietal from Puglia. It is also found in Campania as well, but definitely more in Puglia. It's named after the green color of its berries. So verde in Italian is green, verdeca. There we go. So some fun facts about verdeca. It is grown especially in central Puglia, in provinces of Bari and Taranto, as well as in the countryside Alberobello, Crispiano, Locorotondo, and Martira Franca. So these are different towns in the countryside. Verdeca was and is almost always used in blends with Bianco de Alessano to make the DOC wines Locorotondo and Martina. It can also be part of the blend of the DOC Lacrima Cristi of Campania. So now we're going to another region, so don't get confused. And now we can see Verdeca in uh, more mono-varietal wines. When it comes to the berries, you've got medium-large-sized bunches, it's vigorous, productive, and it's resistant to most diseases, which is a great thing to hear for the future of viticulture. Big topic, Italy, as we see temperatures rising, but I will save that discourse for another podcast, as I always say. So, finally, the Deca produces wines that are fresh and crisp with a delicately herbal and green apple flavors. That is called boat juice, my friends, and that is what we want to drink in the summer on a pristine white sandy beach. Oh, well, not white sands, more rocky beach in Puglia. I mean, depends where you go. Either way, by a beach with blue water on a boat. Sorry to give you all these visuals. Let's get to our guest. Ciao, Barbara, or Barbara, whatever you prefer. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so I hear you're 
based in Sonoma County. You're in another wine region. Yes. <laughs> Super cool. So what what brought you to love Italian wine? Well, I was born and raised in San Francisco, uh, California, to an Italian family who was really uh, wonderfully committed to their language and their culture. And I feel like I really have to call that out because I'm, I'm just so grateful. I think a lot of Italian immigrants came to America and did their best to kind of assimilate and justifiably so, um, but perhaps maybe sometimes at the expense of their native culture. So I think one of the things my family did so well was to honor life in America but not lose touch with their roots. So my family is actually some of the pioneers of the California wine industry. They have the fourth wine growers license in the state. Um, and the, those licenses are in the 25, maybe even 30,000 now. So that feels pretty special. They've been selling their own wine in California since the repeal of Prohibition and planted their own vineyards um, in the late 1960s in Sonoma County. But for a long period, they also simultaneously owned and operated one of the largest import and distribution companies in the U.S. So that was when I was quite young. So I didn't necessarily glean much professional experience from the distribution side. But culturally, it meant wine was always in our lives and always on the table. And what was so exciting is it was wine from everywhere, from Napa, from Sonoma, from Italy, from France. And my family actually used to travel to Italy every year on buyer's trips. So it feels very full circle that I found my way here. That is so cool. And it's also something that like we don't talk about as much, I feel, is like the immigration of Italians to California. At least like, I mean, I at least I don't hear people speak about that all the time and that's 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 incredible so what when did your family come to california like they came right away from uh luca italy to california i have three sides of my family all from different little kind of townships of luca and um they all came at different times but my it was my great grandfather that started our family wine business um and he came uh, right after World War One, and it's kind of the lore in my family that he came, he came here after the war with um, just ten cents in his pocket and a dream. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, that reminds me of my grandfather too. Uh, it's and it's so beautiful to see the evolution. Did they bring like? Well, did they like smuggle any vines with them, or was it like bring? <laughs> <laughs> So it's pretty fun. There's, there's been some, you know, it's like they passed away before I was born. So I've never heard it straight out of the horse's mouth. But like I said, they're kind of, they kind of have this, this really storied past um, in the area. And he immigrated here with his brother. Um, and immediately they became grape distributors. So they were kind of buy, buying, selling, trading grapes for people, mostly to make for personal consumption because you were still allowed to produce, I think it was like up to 200 gallons during prohibition um, for your own personal needs and also for church services and things like that. But I've heard some crazy stories that they used to like smuggle moonshine around in the um, oh my God. gas tank of their car, which is so wild. And um, yeah, and so it's kind of also the joke in my family that uh, we've owned a winery since 1937 legally. Legally. <laughs> oh gosh uh american alcohol history is is very fascinating yeah it's wild <laughs> i mean even current times of how alcohol is regulated it's just feels so, like a hangover from prohibition like oh my gosh it's just wild yes that's precisely the right word for it like we still are in this giant hangover from prohibition and it's affected our culture so much around drinking and 
um, especially with wine, because wine is, I mean, I say this, like, obviously, when I say low, low alcohol beverage, I mean, in comparison to spirits, like moonshine, <laughs> you know, something that's um, very easygoing. So does the, does your family's winery still exist? Yes, in Santa Rosa, in the Russian River. Oh, okay. Okay, so which which winery is it? Am I am I'm out of the loop? Pellegrini. Ah, okay, okay. And this brings us back to our discussion before, which is I fun fact about me is I did harvest in Santa Rosa. Yes, and I actually know where that is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so cool! And like, I know this is the Italian wine podcast, but we always go off topic. But Sonoma County is okay. Everyone knows Sonoma County, but Sonoma County is such a hidden gem at the same time because people come they do the tourist thing but they don't really like I don't know I feel like it's such a special little place it really is and I think one of the things especially for Italian wine fans is California wine industry here was really settled and started by Italian immigrants so there is such this kind of um you know ethos of a similar culture to to things that you might experience in Italian even though there's not, unfortunately, a lot of Italian grapes here. Maybe we'll get into that a little later, but just the the kind of the, the sense of hospitality. Absolutely. No, and I totally agree because I admittedly, when I went to harvest there, was that like East Coast girl from New Jersey that like knew some folks from like San Francisco when I was in college and like was like, oh, you guys are like, you know, the West Coast people. And I was just like, you know, that dichotomy everyone talks about with like the personalities. And I'm, I'm granted, I was biased and, 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 and completely wrong. And then I went to Santa Rosa and I was like, people are really cool up here. Like they, the, the, <laughs> and you're right. It kind of has that for a lack of, I don't want to generalize Italian culture, but like in the Italian way of people are really like, they're really focused on what they do, but they're really relaxed at the same time. And like, I hate to say this, but like way more direct than like, you know, that's, you know, that stereotype of like the California people are so, yeah so passive and whatever. And I was like, I don't, everyone I've met up in Sonoma County is pretty not passive. <laughs> so it was like, for me, I just like was, I, I mean, in, I was so proven wrong, which was great. But no, and and speaking of the Italian varietals, um, I don't know if it's, I can't remember the guy's name, but the winemaker I worked with, his, someone he knew was like planning a, like a bunch of Italian varietals. I want to say it was Alexander Valley, but I think I'm wrong. And it was like, but not like he was, he was planning like Pallegrado Nero and stuff like that, like really out of the box. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is I know exactly what you're talking about. I was the marketing director for this winery for five years. So it's called... Oh my God, see? <laughs> it's called Devero and it's in Healdsburg. And yes, we grow only Italian varieties there. So we have Pellegrino Bianco. Um, our main, our kind of flagship variety is Sacramentino, but we also have Sangiovese, Fiano, um, a little bit of Nebbiolo, Montepulciano, a little bit of everything. Look at that. See, I couldn't even remember half that story. This is a blessing. That is so cool. So how how is that going? How was that going? It was good. You know, I um I think being part of um so our, that winery is a hundred percent direct to consumer, um, which is great. But I think especially with the kind of full court press of direct to consumer that happened during COVID. I was just really burnt out and I was feeling like I needed to be able to take a step back to really um, thoughtfully craft my, my next step and not just, I was feeling a little zombie like <laughs> um, by the time I was, I was wrapped up there. So I just, I just uh, resigned in 
the end of January. And yeah. Huh. And then you took a little sabbatical in Tuscany. Is that right? Well, I've been doing some consulting work for a few um, wineries, uh, mostly here, but there is one out there that is looking to build, you know, DTC. That's kind of my area of expertise is direct to consumer. And there is such an opportunity for that in Italy. Like they don't, they have nowhere near, you know, the level of California direct to consumer. And it's such an interesting sliver of business. Sliver isn't even the right word. It could be the whole pie if you do it right. So yeah, I just think there's so much opportunity to grow that. Um, And people really want to travel to Italy and do wine tourism and things like that. And so um, it will be really interesting to see how that grows for them over the coming years. And I'm excited to maybe help, help some wineries with that kind of my focus. The reason why I love being involved in direct-to-consumer so much is because I think that's where change really starts. Um, We can start on the smaller scale and grow it as opposed to just trying to kind of back into it on this bigger scale. So I think each generation is holding us all of us, like more and more accountable to the ideals that make us not just a better industry, but also a better society. So I'm talking about, you know, more sustainable farming practices, minimizing carbon footprint, increased equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, And so not to say that the generations before us didn't care about these things, but the younger generations kind of, you know, from millennials on down are really showing us how much they care with their their purchasing power. So I think that brands that are already doing this should lean into their efforts more and share how they're doing this with their consumers. And brands that aren't might start to lose relevance here pretty pretty quickly. Because I kind of think, you know, gone are the days where we're marketing wine as drink this wine, it's the best wine out there. Um, it's kind of, it's just not possible, right? In a world with thousands on thousands of wine brands and even more varied tastes and preferences among consumers. So it almost feels dishonest in a way to say that now. So I think that um, we should be creating an authentic path for our consumers to connect to us on a, on a deeper level um, and start thinking about how we as a brand can have a positive impact on all of these things and then how we can convey that to the people we want to be connected to. Absolutely. Let's like, actually, now I realize that I probably should have more formally introduced you in the beginning of this podcast, but now's a good time, <laughs> not just to introduce, but to learn a bit about you more. So you did the VIA program, the Italian Wine Ambassador Academy program. And, but what what is your evolution in Italian wine? Like I, you're telling us a little bit about your specialty, but how'd you get there? Well, I think I mentioned this before we started recording, but um, I think that I, my, my, really, my heart and my soul lies in Italy. And so I love wine so much. I love the wine industry. Um, I'm also very classically a, a middle child in that I have to march to my own drummer and like I get so hell bent on quote unquote making my own way. So I decided pretty early on that I wasn't going to work for my family. And I actually decided like, oh, I'm going to leave the industry altogether. And I was pursuing other career paths. And then I realized I'm just being hard headed (laughs) because I love wine so much. I'm so passionate about it. So to satisfy my head and my heart, I decided I'd work in wine outside of my family business. And like I said, I'm just so, um, I'm so 
in love with Italy, all things Italian. And I, I think the world really needs to know about Italian wines and Italian grape varieties and not just to be Italo-centric, but I'm sorry to say, maybe to just be something other than Franco-centric, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good French wine. When it comes to champagne, the limit does not exist for me. But here in California, you know, 93% of the vineyards in the North Coast Appalachian, which is what where Sonoma, Napa, and Mendocino are, um, 90%, 93% of the vineyards are planted in just seven varieties. And if you... If you're wondering if the most of them are French, you're right. The only non-French one is Infandel. But, you know, one of the most exciting things about making wine in California is we're not governed by strict AOCs or DOPs that tell us what we can plan and what our yields need to be. So that means we're like built for innovation here. We're built to be innovative, but we're only making mostly seven grapes. And so I just think that our consumers are missing out on a world of flavors and excitement just quite simply because they don't know what the scope of what's out there so it, it makes complete sense especially with your family's history and the history of like california winemaking altogether it 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 it's a perfect place to try to expand people's palates and open up the opportunity to um learn more about like the the country that has the most great varieties um in the world and I think that, no, you're absolutely right. And wait, so where is your family? You said your family's from Luca, but you spend time in Puglia. So, so I know that um, when I was in college, we did a service project in a town called Ostuni in Puglia. And my family, we would, my family here in California, we would travel back to our family in Italy every year and um, for sometimes months at a time. And so we were very familiar with Italy and life in Italy. And then also while we were there visiting our family, we would travel around, you know, as much as we could to the other regions. Um, and then I went to Puglia for the first time in 2006. And I just immediately fell in love and I there was something about it right away that I was like oh my gosh I need to get back here at some point I need to figure out um you know so yeah Puglia has so much magic I couldn't have designed it better in my dreams and uh when I met my husband in 2009 I was like you got to get to this place Puglia with me it's amazing and then when we, he finally came with me he was like oh my gosh it's wonderful here <laughs> we kind of started just uh, the, actually the first time we went we both got really sick we had seen our niece before we went and we caught some terrible uh toddler disease that we so we were pretty sick there the whole time and we were like he, even my husband said oh my gosh this place is so amazing but i was kind of sick so i want to go back when i'm not sick and experience it you know full throttle and then this that started this chain of us going back every year and we started making a lot of friends down there and kind of you know integrating into the community a bit more and uh finally somebody down there was like you guys come here every year why don't you just get a place and when we looked into what it cost to buy property in Puglia at the time we were like oh my god this is actually doable i thought it was a pipe dream or something that we worked towards in retirement but it's it's so affordable so approachable so oh that's lovely and is it do you still go to the same place ostuni or do you yeah our apartment is in ostuni so that's where we spent most of our time and then you know one of the well kind of like most of italy but one of the wondrous things about it is find a town that's your home base but then 
all the towns are so charming and kind of have their own unique traits that are worth visiting for a day trip or an afternoon or whatever. And But we love Asuni because it's kind of, it's perfectly centered as a, a town with not directly on the water. So it's kind of got this, you know, more of this old town feel, but then you're only six kilometers from the coast and the coast down there is epic. So it's on the Adriatic side. So it's pretty um, wonderful to get to the beach in like 10 minutes. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Oh, that's the dream. That's that's what I, uh, I there's it's such a I think and obviously Italy is in my heart as well. I have a, a a similar background to you with Italy, but it's like for me that's one of the things I love is constantly being near the sea and like even though Verona obviously is not on the water, but like we are not far from, you know, Venice Adriatic. It's like just seeing seagulls when you're in a city. <laughs> There's something magical about it, even though they're 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 like flying dogs in their size. Sometimes they're huge; they're freaking huge. But <laughs> it's still like it's like oh, I know, like like the water is nearby. Oh, that's just amazing. Oh, gosh, a place in Puglia is just a a dream. I mean, so do you feel a little bit torn though between California and Italy? I feel not torn. I think I know exactly where my heart lies. But that said, I love California so much too. And I'm so grateful that this is where I was born and raised. And, you know, I will always have such a soft place in my heart for California. But I definitely, you know, I think it's so funny. I think life really comes full circle. And I think I was lucky enough to grow up really understanding um, my family's history and my family's roots. And, um, you know, my, my family came here from Italy to kind of design the life that they desired. And then it all comes full circle. You know, I feel like I'm ready now to go back to Italy to design the life that I desire. It is, it's, it is really magical when that happens. And like I said, I, I totally understand with my family as well. It's like, especially when you have these little moments where you reconnect with these stories you heard growing up or these experiences you had in the summer. And like, especially as an adult, because we all have our kind of inner child in us, it like makes you so much more light and excited about life. And like, and even, you know, like as if you're drinking wine, that kind of like light happiness. Um, and it's so beautiful. And, oh, that's, I totally, now you have me thinking, and I, I always end up diverting to food on this podcast because I like, what's wine without food, obviously. But what's your favorite thing to eat in Ostuni? Oh my gosh. Well, um, that's a really loaded question. I love food so much. I love I get such enjoyment out of eating for, you know, eating nourishing food. And also I get so much nourishment like in my soul out of eating for enjoyment. So it's this kind of definitely uh, goes both ways. But um, I guess I would have to say Puglia, one of the things I love most about it is the typical dishes are quite seasonal. So you have, they have like more typical dishes in the wintertime that go with the winter. And then they have more typical dishes in the summertime that really go with the summer. So 
I'm all about the summer and I'm all about being near a body of water. So I have to say the crudo is like mind blowing. So there's um, raw gambaroso, the red shrimp that's local to the area, um, the sea urchin. I can't eat sea urchin in California, but I will eat it all day long in, in Puglia and um, scampi. And then, oh my gosh, sit yourself next to an ocean with a glass of Chris Verdecca or Bombino Bianco. And I thought, I think that must be what they do in heaven, truly. Oh, uh, yes. Honestly, just looking at the sea, fresh fish and like a good crisp glass of like local water. It's just, there's really nothing else I, I'd rather do, honestly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I always end up, I, I say this too many times and I can count, but you ever like taste the, like a perfectly like crisp, what Italian white wine, most likely from the South, because there's a lot of great, they don't get as much attention, but they're great. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you're just like, I'm always like, this is my boat wine. Like I need to be by the sea or like literally on a boat, like drinking this. Um, Oh, that's amazing. And so bringing it back to wine, being that Puglia, obviously people know Puglia as a wine, but it's definitely up and coming in a lot of ways because there's more versatility and more diversity than people realize. Is there absolutely? Is there a particular wine that's very close to your heart that you want to tell us about from Puglia? Yeah, well, let me just scale back really quickly and say I completely agree. You know, so I've been going to Puglia basically every year now since 2015. And every year, um, the winemaking is getting better and better. And the wines are more and more enjoyable. I mean, they've always had a true sense of place. But I think, you know, they've obviously been making that um, kind of market shift away from like Vino d'Italio a little, they've we're in that space a little longer and still are in that space in many regards, but there's finally some people, um, you know, kind of making wine for the joy of it, for the quality as opposed to the quantity. And it's been really exciting to be, to be present for, for kind of the evolution of it all. Um, the local grapes there, it's so rare to find them even anywhere else in Italy, let alone outside of Italy. But like I said, they go so perfectly with what you're eating, what you're experiencing, the weather you're in. So a couple of my favorites are Verdeco, which is just like super like light, crisp, again, kind of like you said, boat wine, where when it's 40 to 45 degrees centigrade, you actually feel refreshed drinking this. I love Bombino Bianco. I love anything that they make into sparkling. So there's kind of a few sparkling Negro Amaros that are pretty fantastic. And then when it comes to the reds, like the reds are really interesting too. Just Primitivo is not my favorite grape period. Um, so I like to stick to more of the like Nero di Troia and even Susumaniello. But they all just seem to fit so well with the the food and the place and absolutely and I think there's like you said there's so much diversity and it also opens up a lot of people to realize of course Puglia being that it's its own peninsula in and of itself as a region it also has a inland rocky hilly area especially when you go north that like because a lot of people are often like why does Puglia have these like intense red wines if it's like this hot and like you know summer place you know but it, it also has the other side of it right and like you said before like in the history of the wine and they do match the food too like um 
you know, there's so many delicious things from Puglia to eat, even for non-fish lovers. If it's something I, I will never understand how people don't like fish openly. I don't want to get it, but. <laughs> I have to say too, you know, vegetables in Puglia, it's kind of like, and I live in Sonoma County where like we can grow anything here and it's wonderful, but I have never had just a, like, Zucchini in olive oil tastes so good as it does in Puglia. There is just like something about the vegetables that they grow there that like the flavor is taken up seven, eight, nine, ten notches. It's so it's yeah, there's really something for everyone. Yeah, especially with the olive oil, even though I know there's been issues with the pests, but it's like that the richness and like especially the freshness because it's not transported. It's like yeah, straight from the olive oil farm olive oil farm sounds so funny but uh yeah <laughs> the farm i'm so glad we're spending so much time talking about puglia because i hope anyone listening if you've never been puglia is this incredible place that i think has often been um forgotten about especially you know the south kind of in general sometimes gets forgotten about but within the south there's you know, there's definitely Amalfi and there's Sicily that have a little bit more fame, but Puglia is this really special place with, that is, especially in our town, Ostuni, like the number of young entrepreneurs doing really exciting things, like whether um, they own a restaurant or um, one, uh, there's a woman that I love down there who's a fashion blogger and like becoming really famous in this and um, an amazing hairstyle, like all of these incredibly uh, passionate and excited people. And again, like I said, they're, they're young and it's just so cool to be part of this place that um, has so much innovation, but also a really solid uh, grasp on, you know, roots and culture. Absolutely. So I can't recommend Puglia highly enough. (laughs) Absolutely. I know. I'm happy. We're also like, we're ending on a beautiful Pugliese note. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. And I really enjoyed talking to you and, um, yeah, thank you. I wish you all the best you and I hope too. to meet you in person sometime soon. And thank you. You too. Ciao, everyone. Ciao. As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me every Sunday on the Italian Wine Podcast, available anywhere you can get your pods.